This morning is Palm Sunday. We're thinking about moving into Easter. And so I want us to think about the idea of moving past your past. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And we'll read there in here in just a moment. Moving past your past. No perfect people are allowed here because all of us in some way, shape, or fashion have some type of past. Now some of you, you're looking and you're thinking, yes, I have quite a past. And I'm glad that nobody really knows my past. And I, I can understand that. Also, there are those of you that are thinking, man, I've grown up in church and I've been able to hide my stuff and hide my past. And I think of in those moments, I think of the story of the prodigal son and that so many times whenever you've heard that story preached, you hear about the son that went away, took his inheritance, went away and lived it up and lived in sin and all that different stuff. And then at the hit the bottom, hit rock bottom and finally came back to the father and the father treated him as if he'd never gone and received him in. And that's a powerful image. But I think there's also this other side of the story that sometimes gets left unsaid is there was another son that was there the entire time and he was he was in the presence of the father he was doing the duties of the son and, and what his father had asked him to do but he didn't enjoy the presence of being in the presence of the father and so the son that was gone and the son that was here almost had the same experience because neither one of them were able to experience the fullness of what it meant to have a relationship with the father that there are sometimes that we're so religious and so caught up in doing the rules that we forget that we have the opportunity to be in the presence of the father And so all of the privileges, all of the rights for us for what it means to be followers of Jesus has nothing to do with the rules and regulations and all the stuff that we can and can't do. It has to do with having and being in the presence of God the Father. And so in the story of the prodigal son, the, the son was sitting there in the presence of the Father, but he was so caught up in doing things that he never really sat in the presence of the Father and got to know him and understand him and to love him. And so that when his brother came back and had given away all of the inheritance. He was angry at his father. And the reason he was angry at his father is because he didn't understand the heart of the father. I think for us, if you've kind of grown up in and around church, that's my story. I've grown up in and around church. And so sometimes I'm like, man, I don't have that, hey, I went off the deep end. I went off whatever and did all this different stuff. And my my story is like, man, I, I literally... My mom was a church secretary, and so I literally grew up in the church. Like when the lights came on, I was there. When the lights went off, and it was, I mean, all over the place. And so there were moments as I became an adult, and I looked around, and I'm like, man, listen, God, you need to bless me more. Because I know I'm doing the stuff. It's it's Wednesday nights. I'm there. I'm doing all this different stuff. And, And I think that sometimes for us, if we've grown up in and around the church and we get to doing this church thing so long, we forget that we were broken and we are broken people. Because we get to this idea of like, hey, God, I'm doing the stuff that you've asked me to do. I'm doing the tasks. And we forget that we're, the call is not to doing the tasks. The call is to being in the presence of the Father. Because we're not spending time in the presence of the Father, we forget the depth of our brokenness. Because we've done a great job of cleaning up. We've done a great job of doing the religious rituals and staying away from whatever it is that we've been told. We've modified our behavior to the point that we look Baptist or we look whatever the world thinks is Christian. But on the inside, we truly don't have a relationship with the Father. So my challenge for us is that no matter what your past is, none of us are perfect. We need to be reminded of wherever we are in our journey of our brokenness and of moving forward in that and inviting us, those around us this coming week and saying, listen, I'm on a path to wholeness. I'm on a path to healing. And I'm not whole. I'm not healed. But through Jesus Christ, 
I'm on this journey together. So if you have your Bibles, we're moving past our past in John chapter 11. It's a story. Some of you have grown up in church. You know it well. It's a story of Lazarus and Jesus and his disciples. So here it is. Jesus and his disciples, a little bit before this. Jesus and his disciples, he's been out doing ministry, and Jesus is making people unhappy. And in making people unhappy, one of the things that they did in this right before John chapter 11 is the religious leaders were so unhappy with Jesus, they picked up stones and were going to stone him. They were getting ready to, to rally around him, to capture him, and to stone him and to kill him. That's how unhappy they were with him. Because he was turning up the apple cart. What they had thought was religious, what they had thought was religion, Jesus was saying, listen, this is not true. And so it's changing things for them. And so they're angry and excited. So here we are in John chapter 11. His disciples have kind of gone away on a spiritual retreat together to enjoy some time and to kind of catch their breath and to refresh. So verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now Mary and Martha and Lazarus were good friends of Jesus. Anytime that he would come through this area, we've seen throughout history and through Scripture that Jesus and his disciples, this was a home that they would spend time in. And so Jesus was good friends with this family. So imagine this was kind of his life group. The disciples would come together and they would enjoy family together. This was their Las Fuentes or whatever you've got. You say, hey, meet me there. We're going to gather together and enjoy some bread and, and enjoy relationship together. So these people knew each other well. Verse 2. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. And her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, this Lazarus sickness will not end in death. No, it's happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he says, said to his disciples, let's, let's go back to Judea. And so we have Jesus. He's had this experience where intense pressure, he kind of slipped away from the crowd. He and his disciples slipped away. And so they've gone away from Judea for a little bit. And they're kind of enjoying their spiritual retreat. And somewhere, somehow, a word got to Jesus and the disciples that, hey, Jesus, you're, one of your good friends, Lazarus, is very sick and to the point of dying. And so Jesus Here's that, and his disciples hear it, and they think, man, he's going to immediately get up and go. And he's like, listen, I, I know that he's sick, and I know that he's probably on his deathbed, but we're going to stay here for a little bit. We're going to let things kind of calm down back where we just came from. It's not time for us to go back. And so that's kind of what they heard is, hey, this, the, the political tension is so tough and so tight that we're not going to go back right now. But we understand, as we kind of read through the story here in a minute, that Jesus isn't talking about the political nature. He's talking about what's getting ready to happen spiritually, that he knows that God's plan is for Lazarus to actually physically die and for him to be raised again. And so the disciples are kind of processing this whole thing. Verse, uh, verse 5. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he stayed while he was there for the next two days, and finally the disciples said, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the, next, during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's a danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. 
right? That's what the doctors tell us. Sleep, rest. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that he had died. So he told them plainly. Now, how, how would he know this? This is, again, he hadn't gotten message, he hadn't gotten word that he was dead, but Jesus, being Jesus, says to them, Lazarus is dead, and for our sakes I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So Thomas, one of the disciples, named, nicknamed the twin, and his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we can die with Jesus. They can imagine the scene. So you can imagine the disciples, they're thinking, man, we, we really stirred up the situation last time. And so to the point of Jesus wanting to be getting stoned, so we, we moved him out. And so here we are a few days removed, and we kind of waited a couple of days, and maybe hopefully it's kind of slowed down a little bit. But the word would get out when Jesus was coming to town, because as soon as Jesus would walk into a town, there would be crowds that would gather around, and they wanted to hear the rabbi who taught with great authority and the rabbi who miracles were happening. And so as soon as he would kind of pass the house, somebody would run ahead and say, listen, I want to, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. So you can imagine this scene for the disciples. They've been doing this long enough and they understand what's about to happen. They're about to go back into the hornet's nest and because of the way that communication happened, there's going to be a chain of, of command of people hearing this story. So everywhere that they move, the crowds are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, which means more likely that Jesus and or one of the disciples are going to die on this trip. And so they are not excited about this opportunity. But Thomas, being the brave and courageous one that he is in this moment, said, listen, I signed up to be with Jesus. Let's go. I know that this probably will cost me my life, but let's go. And so the disciples gather themselves up, knowing, hey, this is going to be a crazy place that we're going to be entering into, but let's go do it anyway. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. That means he was smelling, he was stinking, he was dead. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, I know that he'll rise again in the future and the last day. I know that. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never, will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She says, yes. And so she, Jesus sends her back to the house and sends her back. And Mary is there and she's, in her, and she's weeping and she's grieving, which is obvious. She's the one that's back at the house and she's preparing the meals and she's getting everybody, trying to keep everybody happy and everybody kind of going. She's the party goer person in this moment. And so Martha has gone out to see Jesus and engages him in conversation. And Jesus stays where he's at and the disciples stay where they're at and they send, uh, send Martha back to the house to tell Mary, hey, go get Mary and bring her to see me. And so Martha runs back, gets Mary, has a conversation with her. And while he's having the conversation with her, obviously the friends and the party and the grievers are there and they're catching the story and they're seeing what's happening. And so as Mary runs out of the house with Martha, the rest of the party follow after her. And so they get to that place and they run and they see Jesus and Jesus encounters Mary. And Mary basically says the same thing as Martha. Jesus, why didn't you come when we told you that he was dying? Why didn't you show up when we told you that it was time for 
for him, for you to be here. We knew that he was dying, and we knew that because you're Jesus that you could help him. Look at verse 33. When she saw her weeping, when he saw her weeping, and he saw other people wailing with a deep anger welled up with inside of him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, they asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He was moved by the death of his friend. He had compassion upon his family and friends, but he was moved by the death of his friend. In verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have come and helped Lazarus from dying? Some people are just never happy, are they? Verse 38, Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb and a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And Jesus said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. You can imagine, here's this crowd of people, disciples, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're anxious about being here and they've Mary and Martha have had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus is moved with compassion, and there's also a, a righteous anger because he can hear the crowd saying, listen, if he really loved Lazarus, he would have showed up a little bit earlier, and he would have healed him because we know that he can heal it because he healed the blind person. He healed all these other people, and now his good friend's sick, and he just he sits back. He's so afraid of what's going to happen to him, he didn't come whenever Lazarus needed him. And so Jesus has got all this going on, and so he tells Mary and Martha, hey, let's roll that stone away. And you can imagine that what, whenever they would roll a stone away, the, the pungent odor that they were anticipating of someone who's been dead. And a lot of times it wasn't just one person buried in a grave like that. There were multiple family members. And so you can imagine the anticipation of we're going to roll that stone away and what that is going to be. And so Jesus says, let's do it. Verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? Then they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven. This is one of my favorite prayers ever in the Bible. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Pretty short and sweet, and everybody was able to hear that. Hey, Father, I'm praying. I, I'm praying out loud because I know that I don't need to pray out loud because you can hear me, but I'm praying out loud so that those people around me that have a wrong idea about who I am, they, they will believe who I am and who I say that I am after you fulfill this prayer request. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus! So if you're asleep, now you're awake. Lazarus! Come out. Now listen, this is what I believe. That he didn't say, come out. Because if with his power and his authority over creation and over life and death, if he had just said, hey, come out, everybody would have got up. That's how powerful it is. That's why he had to be clear about what he was asking, what he was requesting. Lazarus, get up and come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes. So... Being the guy that I am, you can. this is how I imagine it. Lazarus is asleep. He's enjoying heaven. He's having a good time, whatever heaven's like. He's got his mansion. He's enjoying all that. And all of a sudden, he hears, 
Lazarus. He's like, hmm, yeah. Come out. And he's bound up. I mean, they just this is like serious wrapping up, tied up. So he's like on his little ledge. He's got to fall off that ledge, figure out how to get up. And he's like bouncing out of the grave. He's like, I don't know who did this joke to me, but here I am. Because listen, when God calls out to you, it's a specific call from death to life. So no matter what your past is, we're all dead in sin. So if you've grown up in church but you don't know Jesus, if you haven't experienced the saving knowledge of Jesus, you're still dead. You've just cleaned up your grave clothes. And so here Jesus is calling out and he's saying, Lazarus, come out. And so he comes up and he's jumping out and he says, listen, stop him. Let's unwrap him. They unwrap the head cloth and they begin to unclean him and get him ready. Because can you imagine they had to spend a mat, an, an enormous amount of time unwrapping and getting him ready. Because listen, the last thing you want to do is you've had those moments or we have in our family where you walk out of the bathroom and you got toilet paper. You're in a public place and you're walking out of the bathroom and you got toilet paper on your shoe or hanging out the back of your pants. Any of y'all ever had that happen? No, no one's going to admit it. Okay, I got you. I got you. We, Becky's not in here. So one time... We were at a place. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That was good. Now, listen, you've all had those moments. And it's extremely embarrassing to be walking through somewhere and your clothes are off or something, but you've got that toilet paper hanging out of the back or off your shoe and you're walking. Everybody's like, <laughs> no one stops you, but everyone's willing to make fun of you. Can you imagine Lazarus come out and for whatever reason he didn't take all the grave clothes off? They didn't take all the grave clothes off and he's walking through town. And he's got all this stuff hanging off in the stench. What it would take for him to go back in to get clean. Listen, for us, when he, God has called us from death to life, it takes community to work together to unwrap that death wrapping. There's a stench that comes with us. And sometimes we're so good at being religious, we've got all these different colognes that we're spraying on. You've walked into those, those stores like Dillard's or Macy's and you walk into that front little area and it's got all that cologne and it smells putrid. It does to me anyway, and so you got all those, those different smells coming together, and so we try to spray all these different things on. Instead of just getting clean, we try to cover up the stench. And so what I'm telling you is what I want you to think about today is no matter what your past is, no matter where you're at, is listen, God desires to bring you from death to life, to unwrap you and to unwrap that stuff that has bound you up, and to bring freedom and total freedom to your life, that there is stuff that you hold on to, that you continue to hold on to, and you're embarrassed about it. And I want you to begin to think about it like, man, you are literally walking through the public places, and you've got toilet paper hanging, and you don't realize it. You think you've gotten rid of it, but people can see it in you. And the reason they can see it in you is because they've walked that same place. And so people come up to you in community and say, hey, can I help you? Can I do life with you? And you're like, no, I've got it all together. When you don't even realize that you got stuff hanging off and you stink because you keep covering it up. And you just need a good bath. You need a good bath and be bathed in Jesus. And to quit pretending that you can clean yourself up 
by attending church, that you can clean yourself up by not doing certain things, but to totally fall in love with Jesus and to know Him. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, anytime you see this idea of know, it means to not just know Him here, but to know Him here in such a way that you have truly tasted and seen and know that He is good. And if you taste it and seen, you just, you just know. And to keep, you want to keep going back. And you don't settle for scraps. You don't settle for seconds. You don't settle going out to the back and, and getting from the dumpster. You want to go to the main table and get a great steak with great wine and enjoy everything that God has for you. This week, I pray that your hearts would begin to break. That as Jesus came over into the city for Palm Sunday, that he looked over Jerusalem and he's like, listen, I've spent three years with these people and they still don't get it. And he began to weep over Jerusalem. Listen, as you pull in to LaGrange today, this week, sometime, you, you get to one of these appealing entrances into the city and you look out over it and you're like, man, God... I have not prayed for, I have not thought about, I haven't cared for my neighbors. I'm just going about doing life. God, would you break my heart for this place called LaGrange for Fayette County in a way that you've never done it before? Because this is about life change and getting the grave clothes off and moving from death to life and not about just cleaning up and pretending to smell good because, listen, you stink. We stink sometimes because we've got sin that we're trying to hide and we just kind of cover it up. And the way that we're able to do that and continue to grow in that relationship is in community. And true community recognizes brokenness. True friends can look you in the face and say, I love you, but. If you've got buddies, buddies will put their arm around you and say, hey, let's just keep going, keep going the same way. True friends can look you in the face, kick you in the butt, and say, listen, you got this stuff. I want to I help you. I want to pull you. I want to stop you. Let's remove the toilet paper that you're dragging through the public that you don't even realize you've got. Let me help you because that's what we do together. That's what true friends do. Your true friends, you let them know if their pants are unzipped. You let them know if there's something embarrassing, right? If you're not their true friend, you don't. Am I right? At school, right? If, if you, you think, hey, that's, that's funny stuff. True friends stop and say, hey, pull them aside. Hey, shh, blah, blah, blah. That's what community is about. Let's move past our past together. I'm excited about the coming weeks as we look into this and delve into it. Listen, I don't care what your testimony is, where you've grown up, all of us are on a journey together. None of us have arrived. We all have brokenness. We all have stuff that we're trying to hide and cover up. Let's remove the masks as we pursue Jesus in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, this is an exciting season in the church. As people begin to to think about their spiritual lives, begin to think about who you are, and they have these images of the Easter bunny and of eggs and of the cross and of Jesus and of all this different stuff that's going on. And Lord, just people are kind of in that mode. I pray that we would be neighbors and friends and invite, that we would share the Jesus that we know, that we've tasted and seen. And to know that we've got neighbors and friends and family that are eating out of the dump, eating out of the back, and are spraying all kinds of stuff on them to try to cover up the hurt and the pain and to look religious, to look right, to fit in. 
Father, I just pray that we would be reminded that we are broken and to pursue you and you alone. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.